Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, AKA Mac and Blue. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Mac and Blue. I'm JJ Levinsky, your, your host, um, president and co-founder of Blue Wave General Contracting. Today, I uh, feel like we've got a celebrity here. Uh, <laughs> Hardly. We've, we've got Josh Zolan, who's the CEO of Windy City Equipment and also the author of Blue is the New White. That is also his podcast, a book. I mean, this guy's you know royalty and everything. So um, can't wait to have, uh, get into the, to the nuts and bolts with Josh. But, uh, before we do that, you know, everyone wants to know a little bit more about you. So yeah, first of all, we got to do the icebreaker. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received? Other oh. than your dad telling you some things that we can't repeat on the air. That <laughs> was going to pick one of those too. Well, you, you can, you can reference those. Um, you know, it probably uh, it would probably have to be one of my dad's pieces of advice. Um, nothing in life worth having comes easy. Okay, I can live uh, with that one. Yeah. All right. So great segue. Uh, you know how this how this goes. Everyone wants to get to know a little bit more about you before we get into the the heart of the matter, which we're probably going to jump all over today. Um, just a kind of a qualifier. I've I, this is actually the first time Josh and I have met face to face, but we've talked. We've got mutual friends. We're in the same kind of arena. Um, there's just lots of cool things. I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big karma guy, but I am kind of into that karma thing. So I think it was a destiny that Josh and I are sitting here today. I think we, you're going to find that what he's going to talk about is something that has been near and dear to me. Um, what we've been trying to effectuate on the Mac and blue podcast of just everything building Arizona. And, and one of them has always been about, you know, our talent, our labor pool, all those kind of things. So, uh, but, but before we get into that, um, Josh, you know how this rolls is like, uh, give everyone the full Monty and, and tell a little bit about your background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like how the hell and why <laughs> the hell are we sitting here? <laughs> the full Monty. Be careful what you wish yeah. for. Well, first off, thank you uh, for the invite. It's, I'm excited to be on the show um, and finally meet you, yeah. you know, in person. So, no, that's great. Um, for those who uh, who don't know who I am, because I was dubbed a celebrity before I even turned the mic on, which uh, is the first time has ever happened. <laughs> so... Um, how back? How far back you want me to go? Um, well, we found out we're both from Wisconsin, so you got to okay. start there. So I got to start there. Okay, okay. great. So I uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. That's not where I was born. I was born in uh, Northridge, California, but I moved to uh, to Wisconsin when I was like five. Spent uh, most of my life there, which was great. I was complaining the entire time, but looking back on it, that's it's what we were born to I do. Know, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Looking back on it, it was probably one of the greatest places um, to that that I could spend my childhood. So. Uh, that was great. Uh, I lived on a farm, as you probably could have guessed when I said I was from Wisconsin. But it wasn't hey, don't just stereotype us all. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's a caveat to that. It wasn't a regular farm. So my mom's side of the family is all stunt people, right? They uh, uh, stunt, yeah, stunt in the film industry. My cool. grand, yeah. <laughs> 
So my grandfather. Sean, there's hope for you after all. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather was uh, Charles Bronson's stunt double for a long time. He's, I mean, he was one of the first in the industry, really paved the way. He's 93 years old. I just got to spend uh, a little bit of time with He's him last alive? week. He's still oh, cool. alive. He was Chongo on the Banana Splits Hour, if anyone remembers that. <laughs> uh, Danger Island, yeah. But anyway, um, his kids. <laughs> well, there went our whole podcast. We're going to spend <laughs> yeah, all gonna, the time there. That's usually what happens. No. no. So so uh, my mom, one, one of his kids, you know, she, uh, she was in the industry too, along with all my uncles and stuff like that. So that was the family business growing up. So this farm that I grew up on was actually a school that we taught people how to break into the stunt industry. How interesting. And that's that's what I did through my high school career. Now, did was, you have brothers and sisters? I have uh, two half-brothers and a half-sister. Well, that makes up a one and one-third by my math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, but, you know, but honestly, you know, there's a quite a bit of uh, age difference. So they, okay. they weren't super as involved as I was. So you but, were, the, that was where I was getting, where you yes, were the only one. I was like, the oldest and okay. I was the, uh, I was the only one that kind of followed okay. in those footsteps. The beta tester, the be- Josh. Yes, Here, the crash dummy. Touch that. Here, <laughs> jump off through this. this. Yeah, <laughs> roll this car, light yourself on fire, all that. But uh, anyway, that's what I did growing up. I mean, the, that was who I was known as. I was known as the stunt kid. I mean, my first car, my license plate said J Stunts. You know, I had a bit oh of an ego God. too. So we could talk about that if you want. But yeah. anyway, uh, all through high school, I was very vocal about not going to college, about, hey, this is my path. This is what I want to do. I'm going to be a stuntman. And I did, and I was. I moved to uh, to Hollywood when I turned 18 years old, uh, got out of Wisconsin, went back to the heat where I was born to be. And um, honestly, it took about two years before I was like, this is not what I want to do. The bureaucracy behind everything, it just, it wasn't my definition of success. At the end of the day, I was the guy that they deemed less important, and that's why I was in there. Mm. You know, uh, so the guy that You're they- You're expendable. Exactly. Yeah. That was the entire reason for my career is I was the expendable one. And I yeah, knew how to pretty, get hit. Yeah, that's pretty. I could see how, thank God you saw that earlier because yeah. it would be a pretty shallow existence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I see my grandfather and my uncles limping around and, you know, I mean, they got broken bones, broken backs, broken legs, broken arms, broken, you know, and it's just, it, it wasn't a life that I wanted to live. So um, meanwhile, parallel to that, my dad had moved to Arizona- him and my mom split when I was young. So okay. he moved to Arizona uh, when I was like 17 to start his own company, essentially. So that would have been what, the 90s? Yeah. When I was 17, that would have been 2003. Or 2003, okay. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I had no idea what he did for a living. I just I just knew that uh, he fixed stuff. That was basically the extent of it, right? So I called him up one day and I said, Dad, I... I don't know what you do, but I know there's opportunity in it, and I know I don't want to see you on your hands and knees for the rest of your life, you know, because he was a one-man shop. Oh. He didn't, like, have a business. He was just – he was a trunk slammer, for for lack of a better term, right? And so uh, so I said, all right, I'm, I, I want to come out. I want to work with you on one condition. You teach me what it is that you do, and we grow the hell out of it. And because I know there's opportunity, I just – I don't know much So you else. were an entrepreneur, and you didn't even know it at the time. I was, and there were some little um, – indications when I was younger, you know, you're I, a hustler. I, I was so, a hustler. Yeah. You know, I would always like, you know, I had a company called, uh, S and J odd jobs. I would just move rocks for the neighbors and dig holes for Mrs. Hansen to this day. I still don't know why, but you know, like this is Hansen. If you're listening, he turned out damn well. <laughs> if she's listening, then I need to know what she takes for our vitamin supplement because she was pretty old, like 25 mm. years ago. She's probably still got a tin of cash waiting for to give you on her, <laughs> yeah. on her mantle. Yeah, I hope so. I hope those holes 
holes are still there too. But uh, but anyway, you know, it. Uh, I've always had kind of this little entrepreneurial spirit. I just didn't know what it meant. Never really had a chance to spread my wings with it. So uh, I, I started working with my dad uh, and he was in restaurant equipment repair, hot side restaurant equipment repair, ovens, fryers, stoves. And just, kind of wait, was he just the sole proprietor, basically? Yep. Okay. Yep, just him. He used to uh, be a foreman for a bakery in Chicago. He he actually so grew that's up where in he Chicago. actually knew it. That's it. yeah. So that's where he learned it. He was actually a stuntman too, but then he got out of the business, went to work for you well, know this second, bakery. The second smartest guy in the family. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, so Dad, uh, if you're listening, Josh still has you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. By one. So so uh, so he taught me right. He taught me from the ground up uh, how to fix restaurant equipment. And, uh, that was, that was, I mean, that was like my first introduction into the trade, okay. working with my hands. And, uh, I was and really, in that back then it was just Phoenix, or just the, Phoenix, the metro area. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's it. It was just me and him at the time, uh, running service. You know, I, I had no idea what hard work was until I got to be a, a field technician myself, which today I kind of miss if I'm being honest. You know? I think we all do. <laughs> Being out there and, and that sense of gratification when you fix something, man, it's, it's different when you're sitting in an office. I get to fix bigger things, but sometimes it take a little longer yeah. to come to fruition. So anyway, we started working together. And once I started to learn one thing, I, I immediately sucked my teeth into another and another and another. So by that, I mean that, you know, once I learned how to fix uh, restaurant equipment, you know, I was able to learn uh the back end of stuff, dispatching, quoting, PL, you know, customer organization, customer acquisition. You know, my dad's really great at that. He was the, you know, shaking hands and rubbing elbows kind of guy, right? He could sell just, ice to an Eskimo type exactly, of guy. Exactly. Catch up popsicle to a woman in white gloves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, this. Sean, you better <laughs> quote that one. That's even better than mine. <laughs> so, so that was him. And that's kind of what he taught me uh, growing up. And, and, you know, um, we just started doing things little by little. We we were working out of his garage, brought on a couple other people to help us, right, when when we had too many customers to that we could service now, ourselves. Now, was it Windy City at that time or was yes. it? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you'd already came up with that name. Yeah, so he As actually. homage to yep, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Windy City Equipment. Later, we rebranded to WCE, kind of like Kentucky oh. Fried Chicken, combined to, to, yeah. to KFC. Because I, I kept getting calls from Chicago asking me to service their stuff. Well, just you know. open up a branch, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, no comment, but I'm not opening a branch okay. in Chicago, but, but, uh, but anyway, I don't blame you. Um, so, so, you know, this was kind of the thing we, we just started bringing on people one after another, after another, just when, when it became too much for us, we brought on somebody else and we, we trained that person and, and the next one and the next one. And fast forward, you know, we ended up in 2014, we grew out of his garage, um, bought a commercial warehouse with some office space, said, how are we going to fill this? Three days later, it was full, we, you know, I think anybody that's been there yeah. has felt that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my gosh. I'm, you know. Look at what this is going to do to my overhead and yeah. all those kind of things. Oh. And you look at like my P and L and my, you know, all your financials. And then the minute you get it open, there's a business owner that hasn't said that. Oh shoot, we should have gotten twice as much space. That's exactly. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly what happened. Just been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. And so we just we kept growing, right? We we opened a branch in Tucson at that point. We started oh, wow. a, a commercial HVAC and refrigeration division to supplement a, that. Exactly. It was a natural yep. fit. We had our customers knocking on our door saying, "When are you going to do this? When are you going to do this?" And my dad had actually gone to refrigeration school, but he'll be the first one to tell you that he sucks at it. So we never really got into just it. Just tire up. Yeah, and that's what we did. We uh, we hired some some brilliant people to come in and help us open that division. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we did. We outgrew that warehouse. We moved into another one basically across the street about twice the size. 
you know? And then we opened in Houston, Texas. We opened a branch in Albuquerque. And today we have uh, four branches in three states with I think we're up to 75 employees now. We were on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America that for is years. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Well-deserved. Yeah. And then in 2019. So is your dad still involved? Yes, he is, actually. He... Uh, He's one of those guys that you'll you couldn't pay him enough to retire. Got it. Like he will never step away from the business, which is fine. Yeah, you know? but you probably love him for it. I do. Yeah. I, I absolutely do. You know, he'll sign the checks. You know, he he likes to see. We joke all the time. I see the money coming in. He sees the money going out. So we have a really good dynamic there. <laughs> he he's stressed to the moon, and I'm like, look at all this cash. No, but yeah. uh, uh, but he is, and uh, we're trying to get him to step back a little bit. He wants to be a little bit more. Uh, his background is, you know, just the mechanic, right? Yeah. He wants to show the techs, you know, how to do this, how to do that, you know, get back on the street, rubbing elbows with the customers. Um, so that's kind of his capacity now. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask an obvious question. When pandemic hit and all the restaurants got slapped, did your yeah. cash flow go to like, was it rough for a while or were you diversified enough that you could have? Uh, you know, it's funny you ask. It's uh so a lot of businesses in my sector just completely fell flat on their face, right? Really? They had well, to, I guess it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, especially, you know, the fi- that focus on restaurants. They mm-hmm. just, you know, they had to furlough technicians and uh, lay off their staff. We didn't have to do any of that. We um, were very well di- diversified with our customer base, and we focus on QSRs. Oh. So, and for, Ex- for the audience, explain QSR. Yeah, quick service restaurants. Right. So, you know, your McDonald's, your Burger Kings, your, your drive-thrus, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so, as everybody knows, the dine-in places shut down, but the QSRs didn't. If anything, they expanded. If anything, they expanded. Right. So we were able to capitalize on that. We have some great customer relationships too. So we actually reached out to some of our customers and said, mm-hmm. hey, some of our newer branches are hurting. Can you throw us some more stores? They did. And so we actually, at the end of the day, after the dust settled, we grew by about 5% that year. I would assume you actually probably picked up some technicians too. We did. That was the other aspect yeah. of it too. So yeah, good for you and good for your clients. Maybe not so bad for some of the other, you know, the end user as as we're talking the non QSRs. Yes, but you know, I don't know about you, but you drive by any restaurant now and it's there's a waiting line. I just I, I it's hard for me to see where restaurants aren't being successful right now. Other than oh, they, they're suffering. I'm sure we could take a tangent. And, as we dive into what we're going to go into a little bit here is you know, with the blue versus white thing, they suffer from the same things we do, do. but, um, but uh, the demand is still there. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, we got off on a tangent. No, that's, um, so that's a great, uh, I kind of cut you off. So keep going. So we got through, uh, I, cause I interrupted you during the pandemic thing. So what, what, what's kind of WCE doing what, what's the the current model, or what are sure. you guys looking at now? So uh, right now, after after the pandemic and everything happened, you know, we were we were in a pretty good position um, just as a company, and uh, all the way up until that point, really, you know, we we grew very fast for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always been chaotic growth, right? We were just we're a team of workers, right? So you know, screw the systems, screw the processes, just get get the jobs, right. get the jobs, and get them done. And so now we kind of shifted focus a little bit, said, okay, we, if we want to keep doing this, it's got to be more strategic. Okay. Um, and we've been, we've, we've been uh, uh, able to rein it in a little bit, you know, putting the right processes in place, putting the right people in place, and, uh, and really finding models of business to um, keep us in 
in our own frame of of uh, of growth, if you will. So uh, it's been it's been great. You know, the last couple of years uh, we've been growing at. Uh, about 15% a year, which is great for a business of our size. Right. And uh, now we're looking more into like the acquisition models and stuff like this. How can we supplement this organic growth that we've had, you know, by other means? I know you're a humble guy, so, and you're not going to be offended by this question, <laughs> but how, through that chaotic growth, um, what did you find out about yourself as far as being a leader and an owner? And <sighs> <laughs> we could spend the rest of the podcast just talking about that. I know, but that. I know it doesn't because it's it segues into yeah. everything else we want to talk about. So no, that's a really good so question. I just, you know, might as well just hit you upside the head with the beam yeah, right man. now. <laughs> it's it, it's actually a simple answer: is I can't do everything. Yeah. Right, and and I mean that's really what I found out is um, I I was always the guy and never thought I could get burned out. You just pile it on me. I'll carry the load and I'll move forward, and and that's what I did for a very long time. But I remember the breaking point. It was when we switched softwares. If you know anything about what happens mm-hmm. when you switch an ERP software, oh, let me tell you. You know, it was uh, January 1st, 2018, 4.03 <laughs> in the morning. Like, <laughs> you know. Wow. And we switched, we switched softwares, and I found myself working like 20 hours a day just trying to make sure that the implementation went yeah. right and that, you know, these work orders were being built out because, you know, not everything translates. And so I worked like 20 hours a day for probably, I don't know, three and a half months straight just weekends, you know, seven days a week. So it was tough. Uh, it was hard. So, and at that point I was like, shit, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and once, once I kind of got humbled by that circumstance, I thought to myself, okay, well I need to start delegating. And, uh, and so that's, that's what I learned most about myself during that time is that I can't do it all. Did you have the people or did you also not have the people in the combination? Yeah. Combination. Cause I, again, fallen on that sword too. Been yeah. there, done that. Didn't have the right people. Didn't have the right people in the right chairs. Yep. I mean, all the all those le- this quintessential leadership sure. things that we fail as as being um, entrepreneurs, fast growth companies. Yeah. Um, and that's why I knew I could ask you the question because I think there's a lot of people that'll be listening and watching this going, oh. You know, I just needed to hear someone else say it because there's someone that's just burnt out right now going to watch this episode or listen and go, I feel it. I've been yep. there. And yep. just know that, you know, and you can chime in too. I just know that um, having having been there with you, um, it can get better, but oh, you yeah. have to... You have to give up control too. Yeah, it has to be intentional, right? Yeah. You you've you've got to come to the realization and you've got to accept the fact that somebody doing something at eighty percent of what you can do is still a win. Yep. You know, and uh, I think that's what we all struggle with, right? It, here, just give me the keys. I can do it faster. I can do it quicker. I can do it better. You know, uh, but at the end of the day, that's it's really none of those things. Not if you're trying to accomplish growth. Okay. So congrats on, and I mean it sincerely, congrats on the growth with WC. I think it, it, it's phenomenal. I, of course, I knew a little bit about your story, so um, uh, hence the reason of getting you on here. But the the main, not the main reason, but one of the stronger reasons I wanted to get you on to share with the audience was uh, maybe, you know, slipped in the bathtub, hit your head, whatever. But when you came out with Blue is the New White, um, <laughs> you, you got to tell the story of, okay, what happened? How did it happen? Okay. And then we'll go into all the okay. cool stuff that's happened because of it. Yeah. Um, all right, good. So I was never a reader growing up, believe it or not. You know, I'm an author, but I wasn't a reader. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, I was a Spark Notes guy in high school. Yeah. It, that was me. But um, 
listen, through the growth of Windy City and, and everything, you know, one of the things I kept asking myself when we started to bring on experienced technicians is, you know, where, where are these guys coming from? Why, I mean, how are they, why are they asking me for this type of wage? Why are they asking me for these kind of benefits? Why are they, you know, why are they under the impression they can get this much as a service technician? And that, because, you know, growing organically with my dad and bringing on inexperienced people, we never had to really understand, you know, that side of the market. Not yet. This was at the beginning part of the growth, right? True. So once I understood that all of my competition was paying these wages, I was like, holy cow, I had no idea that the opportunity was so great just from a sheer monetary standpoint and from a benefit standpoint, right? I had no idea. There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from, and we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. So let me get this straight. You yeah. had undervalued yourself, your company, and you were you were you were basically under monetizing your services. That- hundred percent. Okay. Good. Hundred percent. Yeah. That's uh, that's what it all translated back to, right? And so I had all these epiphanies at one time. <laughs> I thought my head was going to explode. But really, what I took away from it is that nobody told me. Yeah, I didn't. Teach I didn't know that. Like I didn't know in high school or even after high school. I didn't know, you know, that this kind of opportunity was available. Why not? Okay, so let me do some research. So I try to do some research, and what do you think I found? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. There's no book. There's no resource. There's no anything that that explains this, especially not for a hot side commercial kitchen equipment technician, right? Like nobody knows what that. Right. Everybody likes to you eat in a restaurant. You created right. your own mold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, at that point. I had, after high school, become an avid reader. Okay, oh. so like I never went to college uh, or anything like that. So I found, you know, my knowledge and my teachings in, in the people around me, number one, but number two, any books that I could get my hands on that was uh, um, pertinent to what I did on a daily basis, profits, leadership, you know, service if I could find it. Uh, but I couldn't, so I was laying in bed one night and just, quite frankly, complaining to my wife about how I couldn't find any of this information, right? And she was like, well, why don't you, why don't you write it? Because I had talked about how cool it would be to write a book, mostly joking. I, mean, I didn't tell anybody that until now, but, <laughs> but mostly kidding, right? And she was like, well, you said you want to write a book. Write a book. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and, so how'd you start the process? Uh, I have... Just scribbling stuff on a piece of really? paper. Yeah. How cool. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting process. So I, I, I started it that way, and then I realized, okay, so I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, put me in the driver's seat for, for a, a commercial service company, but not for a book. So I ended up going to um, a company that helps people write yeah. books. Oh, okay. Right? So it's called Scribe. I don't know if you know who Tucker Max is. I do. I hope they serve yeah. beer in hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's his company, right? Um, and, uh, and they helped me with everything. They, they took all, <laughs> all my 
my papers like this that were just chicken scratch, right? And they actually made sense of it. They helped me break it up into chapters. They did the editing, helped me with the book cover design, even with the ISBN numbers and stuff like that. So with their help, I was able to put it into this neat little package, and that's where the book came from. Okay. And then you had, if I may, with tooting your own horn, you had success with it. I did, yeah. And then pretty soon, like, Everyone wants a bit of Josh. Yeah, that was unexpected, if I'm being honest, you know. And uh, so I'll, I'll say a thousand, a thousand times, you know, of writing a book, at least the way that I did it, the hard ROI is not what you're after. It's no. not the book sales, no. right? It's what comes of it. It's the... It's it's basically a business card, right, that I can hand people, and it's just a lot more impressive, yeah. you know. And... Uh, and so once I wrote it, it really resonated with uh, with people in the industry because I think that they had a similar mindset, you know, as me. Is hey, you know, it's hard to find people. People don't know this information. How can we how can we take this labor shortage that we're seeing and try to close that gap a little bit? And that's really what the book aims to accomplish. Um, you know, I wanted to write it with a specific intent to speak the voice of um, today's youth, so like a high schooler, mm. but with enough credibility or enough information to provide credibility to an educator or a parent or a counselor, you know, um, and, and that was the, the, the line I tried to walk and it really hit home with a lot of people in the industry. Um, it's been adopted now into a little over 50 high schools, I think across the country. Um, and then, uh, to your point, it kind of it bred the the podcast because uh, tradespeople from all over the world had wanted to reach out and just kind of support the mission and um, speaking engagements. Now is something that I do on a regular basis, which I never thought I would. I'm an introvert at heart, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, so you know the soft ROI that came from writing the book is just immense. And then you know, of course, with Windy City. You know, it's uh, it's very interesting that I can say, hey, I'm the CEO of this company. I'm also the author of this book. We've gotten technicians that way. We've gotten customers that way now. You know, people that just read it and agree. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I want your opinion, not my judgment. I'm, I'm in no position to be judge and jury sitting here. But, you know, even kind of from a much softer much more naive approach that I had too. It was kind of like even Mac and Blue. Um, you know, when Robert and I started this, it was because it was passion of ours. And now almost a year later, you know, the phone calls, emails, mm -hmm. same thing that I get. Um, it's like, hey, wh what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then you tell your story and pretty soon, boom, you know, it's that spider web yeah. effect, right? Yeah. It's like, and if you if you have a genuine, and I know you well enough that the genuine, you know, uh, the authentic version of you of why you did it, what you were doing mm -hmm. it for. And then even your intrinsic motivation, I think that's the part that no one talks about. It's like, yeah, Windy City's obviously benefited. You, better technicians, better customers, better everything, right? Mm -hmm. That Your ecosystem grew. Absolutely. And it grew exponentially probably. But the part that no one understands or I think it's hard to relate is when it's your baby, your mind, your thought, your love, your passion, it's like you go to bed at night going, wow, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm now a better version of myself. And I'm saying that through your, your eyes because, <clears throat> uh, you know, I want to do that same trajectory with this. And, you know, that's why hopefully you're sitting here today and we can help effectuate a lot of what this is. There's an, uh, there's an, a podcast that we do that we aren't talking about labor. Right. Yeah. And everyone yeah. that we have on here about labor, talent, human capital, how can we get and retain 
uh, better people. And I, th I think you are one of, uh, you know, I wish there were more, but I think you're one of the few that has identified it, put your arms and your passion around it, and now you're, you're sharing that with the world, and especially in our space. It's like, hey, there's no secrets here. Just be a better version of yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, and, and to respond to something that you, you had said, you know, I get to wake up and, and think that I'm a better, better version of myself. And I, I want to be clear about this to, to you and everybody out there, you know, that it ebbs and flows, man. Oh. You know, it, 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 as much as I'd love to, you know, even, even now I'm sitting here, you know, on this show and I'm telling you all these accomplishments and stuff. And, and I feel like I can barely even take credit for a little bit of it, you know, the the book, sure, I had help with that. I had a great team, you know, over at uh, at Scribe. And but you Wendy. took the leap of faith, though. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. and that's not for nothing, right? You know, the right. leap the leaps of faith are incredibly important, but so is your support system. Yep. You know, and uh, it's really easy, you know, when you do find this type of success to to you know roll over and say, hey, look, I did it, you know. But the second you say that, this is the second you lie to yourself just a little bit. Right. The second we did it is a much better response. So just to interject. No, love it. And spot on. There's nothing else <laughs> I can say of that. Um, so for the audience's sake, we don't have time to to do it. I'm thinking of the old old days. Remember the leadership books when they'd condense them down? Oh, yeah. From like, so I don't, before Audible and all the things, it's like you used to get those shorts. But could you could you kind of distill the book down for the audience sake to kind of give them maybe some yearning and passion to maybe go out and buy it, read it, find it, whatever. Sure. But what, what is that kind of distilled version of what you're trying to get accomplished in the book? Yeah. So, um, I tried to make it as relatable as possible. So the book really, it starts out with, um, three different high school students, right? You know, the, uh, the one that just absolutely hates school, you know, the one that, and, and has no desire to go to college, you know, the one that is a brainiac, but doesn't really know what they want to do the rest of their life. And then the one that's the, the class clown and was, is, is, you know, figuring out what they want to do, um, as far as between college or, or something else. And, um, so really this, the book aims to paint a picture of, okay, the school system tells you that you have to go to college in order to be successful. I mean, I don't like generalizing, but listen, you know, yeah. most of it is, hey, this is the neat little box of what success looks like, and this is how you fit into it, you know, and it's graduate high school, you know, go to college, get a degree, buy the house, the white picket fence, the dogs, the two and a half kids, you know, and all of that. You could have my half kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, this, this picture that the education system has painted for, for a lot of these kids. And the problem is everybody defines success differently, right? And, and so that's really what the book aims to, to um, unveil is that, hey, it's not go to college or serve at McDonald's for the rest of your life. And no offense to anybody who's serving at McDonald's, of course, you know, but it's, it's an entry-level job, you know? And so it's um, – and a lot of times this is the impression that everybody's under, Right, because uh, the statistics that were shown, and, and I do a lot with statistics in the book. Right, this is statistics that were shown are, hey, this is the average wage of people who went to college, right after they graduate college, and then this is the average wage of people who didn't go to college. And there's a lot more buckets over here that are being diluted, you know, by the way that the, they're phrasing it, as statistics often are, <laughs> you know, and because you can't group skilled labor into that. 
um, into that category. It's just there's there's an element of education to it. It's just not formal college education, mm-hmm. you know. And so the book really kind of brings that down to the ground and and explains a little bit more what that means. Hey. Uh, this is how much you can make in the skilled trades in every different sector, right? In all the different sectors, these are the sectors that are growing the fastest. These are the ones that you know you can focus on if you like doing X, Y, and Z, right? And then here, and then sprinkled throughout the book are quotes and examples from uh, people in and around the trades, because as you know, right, the trades isn't just hey, fix toilets for the rest of your life. Right. Right, it, it it spans an array of different things that people just don't understand. Like, you know, there's trades adjacent businesses that need labor just as much as trade businesses need labor. You know, and and you can take the knowledge that you learn from um, doing a trade and and go any direction with it. For example, entrepreneurship, right? I mean, that's on a pedestal today. But most people think that the way to get there is to get big on Instagram or to set up a consulting agency or, you know. But really, if you just get your, you know, roll your hands or roll your sleeves up, get your hands a little bit dirty, you know, I mean, one of the quickest ways to entrepreneurship is to learn a trade. And so the book really aims to to unpack all of that in an understandable, enticing way uh, for the youth of the, the nation. Well done. Um, my mind was spinning as you were going. I could tell. I could see it spinning. The reason is, is I think you, I think you tapped into something that maybe I can finally put into words. So you took that box, decentralized that box, but now you, I think you hit one nail on the head that just re- should resonate with anyone listening and wants to read the book or dive deeper and we'll get into your podcast next, is that you can't stop at that level. It's kind of like what you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. Like if you say you've got it, you really don't have it. That's right. Right? So same thing here is the trade is a vehicle. That's all it is. It's not a destination. That's right. It's the journey, right? So it's like, okay, if now I can get this right, well, guess what? I've got better life skills. I have better this. I have better that. Oh, I conquered that. I can go conquer this. Yeah. And that's the evolution that I believe our society is forgetting. It's like I didn't go to college, get a degree, and I was a CEO five minutes later. That's right. You know, it never works. The difference with what you're describing is I just don't have to go $200,000 in debt to get on that journey, right? 100%. Right. That's exactly right. Right. And so I just – that's my way of kind of paraphrasing it a little differently – um, knowing some of our audience of going, hey, Josh is spot on here, and yeah. you know the, the the book is just a catalyst of saying, here it's right in front of your face, go grab it. That's it. All right. So then, how did the okay book was a success? I love how you how you captured that. And for those of you watching and listening, I encourage you to you know read it, uh, subscribe to Josh on his podcast as well. Blue is the new white. Um, a lot of interesting content there. So then you dive into the podcast. How long have you been doing that now? Uh, that launched just after the book. The book uh, published in May of 2019. I think I started doing the podcast June or July of 2019. And how many episodes have you done so far? Uh, to date, I think 142. Nice. Yeah, with uh, with, with uh, different guests. A couple of guests have returned, but right. about 140 different And then you're guests. on like this. You're on guest ones all the time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. What, you know, the, the reason I'm going down this path is, over that time, how has the message changed? 
or, or has it been pretty consistent? No, the message has been pretty consistent. You know, and really the the intent of the podcast it's a little bit different than the book. It's you know the book is is the catalyst, right? Yep. The book is is the foundation. The podcast aims to um, highlight the individual, right? The, the podcast is all about my guests. It's all about why it is they love what they do in hopes that somebody out there listening can relate to one little piece of information, right, as you know, and, and grab onto that and say, wow, you know, I was at that same spot just six months ago. Maybe this is a, this is a path for me. You know, but like I said, I talk to people all over the world in all different trades, linemen, electricians, carpenters, you know, HVAC technicians. I had a commercial diver on who was talking about how he welds and dismantles sunken ships. Like, how cool is that? Like, you know, I, I, I talked to a lady in Istanbul, uh, Turkey, who's a, a, a high-efficiency energy engineer, you know, trying to build, literally build, t- bring infrastructure to that region. I mean, just the rewards that, that, you know, these industries bring and the sense of fulfillment that the people have. Fulfillment. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, this is what's not talked about. Because when you think of plumber, what do you think of, right? When you think of a, a, a carpenter, what do you think of? You don't think of somebody who's happy, enjoying their time. You, you think about somebody's butt crack, right? And, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? Yeah, the stereotypes, <laughs> the stereotypes. Are, are wide and, and Yeah, I mean, the, the grease monkey deep. stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like this is, this is what we're brought up to believe. But in actuality, these people are wildly happy. So, you're like, and I should know this, but I have to ask you, have you either, have you either met or been on it with Mike Rowe? On dirty jobs at all? No, I haven't. Because I was yet. like, oh my gosh, Josh and Mike Rowe should do a. a I would love to get on a podcast. Well, man. we'll we'll hit them up together. I, th- <laughs> I, I think I think you're right for that because I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, you guys would be perfect for each other. Um, oh shoot, you got me thinking a million miles an hour. Um, oh yes, skills gap. Yeah, that was the one thing. So, talk a little bit about again through your own journey. What what do you see on the skills gap of what we have to? I mean, again, you've got the book, the catalyst. Yeah. We get that, but let's kind of dive into some more details because um, we've got some time left. The skills gap. Can you just address it from how you'd like to talk to the audience about that? Sure. Yeah. So, those who don't know, it's the skills gap is is, is a pretty simple concept, right? The, that more people are retiring from these industries than entering into them at a rate of about five to one. Um, I, and that was the last time I checked. It could be even higher at this Probably point. Probably is. You know, and, uh, and coupled with the average age across these industries being in the, the late 40s, early 50s, I mean, we're in for a pretty rude awakening if we don't have a s- severe influx of a lot of people, you know, relatively quick. You know, and, and we could speculate all day long what the reasoning behind it is. There's a million reasons why this exists. I mean, one of the things we're talking about right now is perceptions, right? I think right. that had a, a a lot to do with it. And, you know, for a long time, uh, the trades were not desirable work. You know, it's a little bit different today with the technology that's available and stuff like that. But unfortunately, you know, the perceptions of the cultures that exist across these these industries is is ingrained. I mean, that's... You know, um, so we're talking all about how how to how to flip the script, right? How to swing the pendulum? How to get back to talking about these sen- this sense of fulfillment? How how to uh, attract the next generation? How to speak their language? What is it that they value? And how do we how do we bring that 
down and 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 tie it to what we do on a daily basis in the skilled trades, right? You know, one of the things I like to say is, you know, kids these days they 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 love to change the world, right? They want to change the world. So why aren't we introducing them to the industries that can actually do that? There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from, and we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. You said a bunch of really good things there. <laughs> I'm just thinking back. So for the audience's sake, uh, just to draw a, a qualifier here, I was at our, our Vistage meeting, I don't know when it was, like a week or two ago, and we had our guests come in, and it was all about the, the different generations, which we've all heard about, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone knows. Yep. But it was really cool. We went through an exercise where we separated the room, and we had, you know, boomers, Gen Xers, you know, Gen Zs, the, the, the millennials. millennials. Yeah. And that exercise was so fun, so exciting. And by the end, we literally were having an exercise on emoji training. <laughs> and it was shocking, though, something so trivial like that, yeah. Josh, where now we, we can communicate. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if everyone could just take a 15-minute tutorial on this, a class on this. I haven't thought about how I've been – I thought I was connected and communicating with my, you yeah. know, my one high school son. Yeah. I'm like I, I was off <laughs> and off by a long ways, right? What do they What do they say now that a period is construed as aggressive? Yes. Have you heard that? Oh, it would. Uh, we could spend the whole. <laughs> oh, look at Sean's looking at us like you guys are on crack. <laughs> oh, you know, forget about the you know the bat, the eggplants, and all that kind of stuff. But the other things, as far as like the color of a heart and. The punctuations, yeah, how it's misinterpreted. Yep. However, let's get off of yeah, that. Yeah, sure. The point was, is you hit on it. It's they want to change the world, so give give them the oyster, right? Mm -hmm. Or give them the give them something to go go find it. And it really starts at that communication level of finding out what's important to them. Yeah. And so where we've had on a lot of the other episodes, and and I, I'm not discounting those, where we focused on you know a lot of how the high school programs are combining with the industry, with the college mm -hmm. programs. And all these great things, like I'm thinking back to our guests that we had from Cottonwood and Camp Verde down, um, you know, to think about what those kids are being exposed to up there for trades and things like that. It, it's unbelievable. We had, you know, the Masonry Council people in here talking about how they're doing all those things to foster the Masonry growth. Mm -hmm. We could go through every trade like that. Yeah. But the, the crux of it is give them fulfillment and give them something to be passionate about where they're going to change the world because they all think they can. That's right. So who are we to, again, be judge or jury and go, no – you know, back to this box. Yeah, right. Right? Fit in this box, everyone. Well, that was our <laughs> box growing up, you know? Yeah. Break that down and, and move on. Um, with that, um, again, with, with all your episodes and, and, and communication going back and forth on that, 
Has there been any other things on that skills gap that you found that you really want to share with the audience so they can think about it in their own companies? Uh, from a, from a, like a company perspective? Either way. Um, just kind of like yeah. this, just kind of like, uh, you know, just like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with communication, right? That's, uh, that's, that's difficult. And I think, so I think that largely, and again, I'm going to generalize again here, but it, you know, I realize not, not all companies in, in the skilled trades are like this, but a lot of them have a bit of an old school mindset, right? Fair, you fair. know, I mean, and you know what I mean by that, right? Kind of rough and tumble. Hey, this is, this is how it is. This is, you know, which is, which is great. And you know that my dad is that way. I'm largely like that too. Um, you know, which is why people tell me all the time that I don't fit into the millennial box, which I'm kind of okay with. You're but, <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, but I think that if we could just you know, as an industry, understand that as we move forward into the future, our leadership style needs to change, not change who we are or, 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 you know, what we're, what we're about or our values or anything like that. But we need to understand that, that leadership is not just a one size fits all, just like success is not a one size fits all. And to be an exceptional leader, well, let's say this, to have an exceptional company, you have to have an ex- exceptional team. And to have an exceptional team, you have to be an exceptional leader. But the only way to do that is to lead the person, right? And and oh, yeah. and lead the individual. You were wondering where I was going with that, huh? No, no. <laughs> I was following you. But, uh, but and, and I think that could be forgotten, Um a lot in, in not just this industry, but really right. all industries, right? And I think that's one of the most important things that that we can do from within the trades is understand that not everyone's going to learn the same way. Not everyone's going to be led the same way. And it's up to you as a leader of your organization to figure out what works. Because yeah. at the end of the day, nothing else matters. What works? Yeah, I don't know. You made me think of something, um, and I have no problems paying this forward because uh, for those of you that don't know Tommy Mello, uh, that he owns A One Garage Door, A One Door. You know, he's out on he's out on every kind of social media and everything t- as well. His success is unpar- unparalleled, right? But when you watch his videos and listen to what he's doing on social media, it's all about that. Oh, okay. It, and I, I encourage all of you look him up. A One Tommy Mello. You couple that with what Josh is sharing today. Um, if you don't have a little bit of inspiration to have a better organization um, and, and create an environment that will foster almost unparalleled growth, it, it's more about that again. Success as defined by wh- what the I don't say I don't like groupthink, but group yeah. success, right? Yeah. Because um, again, what good is it if if you walk away as you know whatever defines success for you, whether it's dollars, this that uh, legacy. Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know, yes, that's great, but if it's just for you, Josh, that's kind of pretty shallow, right. right? I think I think when you look at the greatest organizations, they figured that out, and you couple it with what you're talking about, and again, what I've mentioned about with Tommy, um, I, I, there's some really good synergies there as far as the message, but it takes a stronger person to uh, implement those. It it's does. 
if any, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? Yeah, my dad says that too, yeah. you know, and sometimes you got to get humbled. And I think yeah. honestly, you know, that's, that's one of the things they don't teach in business school, right? I mean, I never went to business school. I'm just assuming, but, uh, no, but, they don't teach it, <laughs> but right. It's, it's one of those things that you, you've got to learn that from experience or you could just listen to us, you know, that's up to you, but, uh, but really <laughs> look, at, look at our battle scars, <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, it has a much different impact when you live it and when you go through it and when you make those mistakes. Right. Listen, I have eaten crow so many times on, on and listen, I've 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 had a big head and I've gotten humbled all the way down, I'm sure, you know, but those experiences are important, you know, because if you truly do care about your team, about your company and, you know, you you want to be better tomorrow, you're going to take all that, you're not going to be bitter about it and you're going to use it to learn. Right. Right? What uh what haven't I asked you that you that you want to share? I mean, you do this you do this all day, every day. So I'm, I'm sure there's tons of topics we could dive deeper into. But in in the limited time we have left, what what else would you like to share? Oh man, that's uh, that's tough. I know it's open ended, but it, just a little bit. Come on, you're tough. Um, you know, whether it's like leadership. I mean, back to anything that's spun yeah. off from the blue is the new white. Um, have you ever gotten anyone attacking you for, for that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Really? Oh, totally. Give me an example. Uh, so there, there will be, I'll get emails probably once every couple of months, you know, about people telling me that I'm steering children in the wrong direction and, uh, that, uh, I should be ashamed of myself for telling people not to go to college. And if anyone has ever listened to me actually talk, they know that that that's what not what saying. I'm doing. Yeah. Right. It's, I've always, I'm the biggest advocate for the right education for the right individual. You know, if you if you know from the time you're six years old that you want to be a heart surgeon, then go for it. Then you're gonna need college for that. I don't yeah. want you opening my chest with YouTube videos. All right. Like, you know, I get it. Uh, but yeah, I mean and, and Sean, you can't do production based on watching YouTube videos. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and so I don't know if I mentioned this, but in 2013, one of the things that uh, we did with Windy City to kind of level us up is I was the first one in the restaurant equipment space to have a YouTube channel that showed people how to do basic repairs and maintenance on their commercial kitchen Literally giving away your, you're giving away the secret. Yeah. And so I have been ripped limb from limb service companies all over the country, you know, uh, not so much anymore which plays exactly into what I told every single one of them after I did it, right? Because this was 10 years ago that I started right. this. And so 10 years ago, nine, eight, seven, you know, I heard it from all corners of the country is, hey, you know, I can't believe you're giving away these trade secrets. And we're talking about how to flip a GFI. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, how to clean, how to change a filter, you know? I mean, your, just, your average ticket price, what your EBITDA is on that. Oh it's, my it's gosh. Like, give it away. Who cares? Unbelievable. You know, so, so anyway, but every, t- every single time I would tell, I would tell these people, I would say, listen, transparency is the way of the future. And who do you think the customers are going to call when something goes wrong? Is it going to be, the person that hides everything and keeps the cards close to the chest, or or is it going to be the one that that you know puts it all out there for you to see? Of course, it's it's going to be me, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. But to your point, you know, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of people um, reach out on those videos, especially right. saying, "Hey, you're you're out of your mind." It, you, there's a lot of parallels to that. You when you said that, it made me think of of other people that I've talked to that have opened that up. And I'll give you an example. Um, 
think of a, and we don't need to mention names, but think of companies that have put their price books out there, you know, to just literally like come to our website, look at, I mean, that's just kind of an entry level thing. But again, a lot of competitors, oh, don't do that. You know, they'll know our margins. It's like, listen, I don't know anyone out there that's making so much on their margins that they're just printing cash. I mean, yeah, there might be a few, but generally everyone's, you're either fair market or you're going to get squeezed out one way or another, yeah. right? Yep. So if you're really good at what you do and you're willing to do that, I mean, that is, that's just competitive advantage. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, that's, that's something that we've always tried to, to do is, is very, be very strategic about, okay, we're going to be one step ahead. Yep. And once we get one step ahead, we're going to share what we did. You know, and and then we're going to keep doing that. You know, and if you can continue to be one step ahead and continue to share what you've learned, I mean, number one, nobody's going to catch you, and number two, you're going to be thought of as a thought leader in the industry. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, that's gonna that's gonna be a huge catalyst for growth. So go back to the let's call it the negative Nancys, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. If you had any experiences where that turned into a positive. <laughs> you know, like uh, you're talking about eating crawler. I was just curious yeah. through through all the people that have zinged you based on this kind of methodology and mindset, did any of them come back and go, you know what, Josh, thank you for changing my mind? I'm just curious. Not anyone on social media. Okay. No, I mean, I've had, I've had, you know, some personal situations like as a, uh, that I had to make some tough calls as a leader in my organization that people didn't like but then they've come back and say hey i get it now yeah but from a social media standpoint no you well, know I mean, those I, people kind of yeah. they dig their heels in and <laughs> no you, you whether you know you answered the que- the question the way i expected it i wasn't worried about the social media because again mm-hmm. not everyone's gonna like everything and nor can you ever <laughs> make any everyone happy yeah um i i can't like i said i, I just always like to end the the episode and kind of leave it an open forum as far as if there's any messages you want to send to the audience or I, I just thank you. You've done a great job of kind of, I know we could have gotten a lot deeper in a lot of it, but just paraphrasing what it was all about, you know, wh- the why you did it, the how you started. I think it's, it, it's tremendous. It's a tremendous um, validator and, and advocacy for other people that are listening and watching this going, Oh, I now have, I, there's enough there. You know, thanks, Josh, for sharing because now I can go take my own leap of faith. And I, I think that's what all of us want to see mm-hmm. more of out there is people kind of being transcending their own paradigms and their own boxes, right, within their space and, and making our industry better uh, kind of in a kind of a holistic fashion. So, yeah. You know, I, to to end it, I would I would say the one, the one other thing that I would say is that um, our time here is very finite. All right, and and there's been situations through my life that have, I think I've alluded to it a little bit, that have humbled me. You know, some of them were my own doings and screw ups, and they stuff usually like are that, right. <laughs> and others, others were lessons learned from tragedies and losses mm. and things like that. You know, and uh, I found myself because each one of those events changed me, right? And all of them reminded me that whatever you want in life as a, as a leader, as a business person, as a tradesperson, as whoever you are, tomorrow's not written and all you can do is write today, but you have to start. There's no time to sit on the couch and veg out and play video games or whatever, unless, unless you're going to be a video game designer, you know, someone's going to pick that shit apart too, you know, but there is no time to waste, right? And don't wait for one of those 
tragic circumstances to open your eyes because then, you know, you're going to look back and you're going to say, well, geez, if I only would have done this shoulda, coulda, woulda. eight years ago, how much further along would I be? Use this conversation today, what we're talking about right now. If there's anything that you took away from it, do it. Yeah. Just don't wait. Don't stick it on a to-do list somewhere. Just do it. That's what I'll say. Great advice from Josh Zolan. Sorry, Windy City Equipment. Um, God, just can't thank you enough for being on today, Josh. Great inspiration for all the listeners. Um, until next time, thanks for joining Mac and Blue Podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Tory Contracting and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Lewinsky on LinkedIn and Instagram. Tune in live every first and third Thursday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.